Hey everyone, it is Thursday, February 23rd, 2023. Welcome to TechTO Quick Takes. I'm your host, Alex Riley, and here are today's headlines. Founder Fuel returns with different backers. The feds launched the Canadian Innovation Corporation, so we'll discuss what that means for startups. Cookin cooks up $17 million to deliver different food to your door. And for our lightning round, we'll review Plum's latest $6 million US dollar round. And I'll have Alex Norman join me now to break it down. Hey. Hey, Alex. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Great to see you as always. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, about, it's, you know, storming in Toronto, but we still make this happen. I know it's uh, not great weather at all in Toronto. Lots of snow today and tomorrow, I was hearing. So uh, hopefully, again, spring weather, they said it was supposed to be an early spring. So hopefully they're actually serious about that. Um, I want to talk about the first story. So the Founder Fuel News. So they're returning with some new backers. Um, for those that might not know what this means, um, what is that news there? And and yeah, who are those those backers? We'll get into that. Yeah, so last week, that Founder Fuel is returning. They're one of the older Canadian accelerators. Mm-hmm. Um, they're coming back with a new court, but with a few twists. Uh, the new court is backed by Novi and Panache while being run by Real Ventures' Katie Yam. It will be open to... The other two twists will be open to companies countrywide and be part hybrid, part in real life over four months. And just uh, again, to maybe go on to what I was saying earlier. So if they're not familiar with just the program and the overall history, so what is it? What does the program look like? How long has it been around? So Founder Fuel uh, was introduced by Real Ventures in about 2011. And the idea was to provide a Canadian accelerator. So an accelerator versus an incubator for people that don't know. Incubator is something that, hey, maybe we have an idea. We'll get people to it and incubate the company. Accelerator is like, let's take a company and accelerate it. Uh, that's the difference in names. And so not sure if it was the first Canadian accelerator, but it was probably the first one to make a dent in the ecosystem. And when it lasted for quite a few, quite a while, it ran courts from 2011 to 2020 uninterrupted. Um, and it provided a unique support for companies that were based in Montreal or or based in Quebec, um, where a lot of the Quebec ecosystem came in and mentored and and non-Quebecers. Like I was a mentor for several Mm -hmm. years as well. And you said it ran until 2020. Like I'm assuming that obviously had to do with the pandemic or were there other reasons? Why is it coming back now uh, in 2023? Well, uh, you know, so a, a couple things, um, first of all, you know, if you look at the program, they had 100 plus companies. They they've had some success. Uh, you know, anyone from paper and open care. I think maybe majority went through it. Um, and part of the program was in person. So I think mm-hmm. the reason yeah. that pa- I think they did a virtual cohort in 2020. They had to adjust on the fly, like everyone else at YC did that too. Yeah. Um, and then I think it, they probably felt the experience wasn't as good in person, uh, you know, online. And yeah. then Real Ventures, um, also from my perspective, again, I'm not sure this had anything to do with it, but Real Ventures started to go raise a new fund um, to support it because the funding came through Real Ventures and direct, you know, basically Real Ventures raised a fund and fund founder fuel. And so mm-hmm. as they were raising new capital for the new fund, they probably didn't have capital to run new cohorts. So COVID going to transition to online and then also probably um, not, not a priority use of capital. That would have been my assumption too, is it's probably just not going to be the same experience doing something virtually and you're not going to get the same hands-on learning. So um, 
how did it come together this time around and also just high level who's participating in the in the program this time around well what's different is you know in the past it was run by real funded by real and they took the economics um mm -hmm. what happened here is this came back you know came i you know I, i'm actually met with katie in november she's talking about bringing it back the ecosystem wants it and she was working on it. but i think what happened something in january triggered i know via panache stepped up to the plate said hey we're quebec based or partially quebec based we want to see this in the ecosystem lots of founders were talking about lots of mentors were talking about and they said, we'll fund this. Um, and so Inovia and Panache is providing the capital to be invested. Real, Katie's taking the lead, but real, all the real partners are going to be involved. Mm -hmm. And I think we, uh, Katie's also raising additional capital to pay for the overhead. And why is it that Inovia and Panache are supporting the program uh, this year, this cohort? Well, again, I, I, we, I don't have exact answers for that. And actually, we've reached out to them. And I think on Friday, we'll have an, in the newsletter, we'll cover their perspective on why, um, yeah. what's unique about this program, why they're supporting it, and what they can do. And if you go back to the alumni, I think I misspoke before when I said Majuri was. But like, if you look at some of the like you know, some of the notable companies coming out of there, um, in the past is Benchside, which is still going in strong. Paper, yeah. who we've had on beef, on um, a couple of TechTO events, really yep. big success. Sonder, who went public, Unsplash, that was acquired. So mm -hmm. I think there, if I were to guess what's going to be written and we'll see on Friday's newsletter, yeah. uh, it is, it's a mix of, this is a good way to build an ecosystem. It's a good way to get people together. And it also it produces companies that can scale and are venture scale, a venture backable. Last like, like couple of questions as we sort of get to the end is, so since the program initially launched, obviously the ecosystem looks a lot different than it did in 2011 when it first started. So why, in your opinion, do you think, a program like this is still required and what is it bringing uh, that the ecosystem still needs? Well, you know, look, the ecosystem's nine day difference from 2011. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more VCs, there's a lot more capital, there's a lot more people around the ecosystem, there's a lot more stuff you can do online. Um, and there's more accelerators, more incubators. But I think, um, first of all, this is based in Montreal, where there's, there's a few less than there is the uh, rest of Canada. Okay. Second of all, some, you know, one that is a program which brings a community brings mentors that are excited to support it so when you have an ecosystem of stakeholders that are willing to contribute it makes it a solid program and 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 i think also um you know it's it is one thing that gives value to programs like this is that they stick around and they build a reputation by having the alumni support and so you've got a bit more history than anyone has just joined the ecosystem in the last few years as an incubator accelerator one of the things I think might impact the program is just the current market conditions. I know we've talked about this a lot and how it's impacting a lot of areas of tech. So how do you think it's going to impact the program and also how so uh, will, will it impact it? So I think the market conditions actually make the program more needed than it was mm -hmm. in 2021, right? 2021, lots of funding around. It's relatively easy to raise. It's never easy to raise. But now um, people are not writing checks for early stage companies. So okay. here's now program will support eight to 10 companies. They'll write a check. Um, the, you know, I don't know what the valuations of terms are because they haven't announced them yet, but whatever they are, they'll seem more reasonable than they did in 2021. So I think this is actually a great time to bring it back. And I also think you've seen some incubators, accelerators that were entered the Canadian ecosystem the last few years, pull back from Canada. So 
And, yeah. you know, I think there's actually in a weird way, there's more space now for the program to return in 2021. Interesting. Okay. I, I like that. And how many companies are you, do you expect in the next cohort? What are sort of the expected deal terms from them? Anything like that? Well, so again, I think they'll, from what I've read, I think they'll do eight to 10 companies. So let's say eight companies, they've raised a million dollars. So that's 125,000 per company. What they haven't announced is what percent of the company they get for that. So, um, you know, we'll, you know, we'll find out more in the next few days, I'm sure. And just lastly, to kind of tie everything with the bow, because we did touch on a lot of why we think it's going to be beneficial, why we think the program will thrive, why it's good that it's coming back. But what, um, I guess, is further your perspective on what this means and why there's so many takeaways uh, from this news? Also, over the last several years, we've seen many people in the ecosystem say that early stage capital was no longer an issue. Uh, We've had many incubators and accelerators come into the ecosystem and a few new early stage funds mm-hmm. enter the market. The problem, but the problem, despite all this, was never truly solved. I think it's disproportionately hard to raise in favorable terms or any terms in the Canadian market. And we've seen a few of these um, incubators and accelerators leave the market. We've seen the Canadian startup uh, funding system deteriorate with real out of the market. And, you know, so I think, you know, Seeing three Montreal-based funds work together to restart Founder Fuel is a welcome development. It provides mm-hmm. another source of capital for a few select founders, and it reinvigorates the Montreal ecosystem. I think the challenge for Katie and Founder Fuel um, and Real Ventures is that this capital provides enough for one cohort. How do we get? How do they raise enough capital to run several more cohorts and make sure this is a stabilizing force in the ecosystem? Which I hope they do because I, I would love to right. see it. Right and. Just because you segued perfectly uh, into uh, just what I want to mention next before we go to the next headline is we are going to have some additional perspective from, uh, as you mentioned, Anovia and Panache. Uh, We're going to have some contributors for the newsletter. Uh, So if you don't want to miss that and you want to make sure you're, you know, hearing that perspective firsthand and getting to read that, make sure you subscribe to the Textio newsletter at org backslash newsletter. Sorry to interrupt you, Ox. One more thing I'll say is that Current, they are taking applications for the current batch, and we'll have links to it in the show notes yep. and in the newsletter. The newsletter. Yep, <laughs> the newsletter as well. Uh, just lastly, anything you're really liking right now, Alex? In the newsletter? Yes. Uh, look, I, I, you know, I like the founder fact FAQs, which we a- a- added mm-hmm. recently. I think last week was a fun one to write about why you should do a monthly update if you're a founder. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope other people did too. Yeah. And also just what you should be including in these um, monthly update emails to investors, why they're important, who should be on that distribution list. Uh, I think it's all very important. And we'll be putting out more calls to action for questions. So frequently asked questions, we want to answer them on a fairly regular basis. So uh, definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, Next headline, the Canadian Innovation Corporation has just launched. So, you know, what's the big deal? What does this mean? High level, just let's start with just what is that news high level overall? So the federal government announced the launch of a new crown corporation, the Canadian Innovation Corporation, which we'll call the CIC for the rest of this. Yeah, uh, yeah, just to make it easier. They said it'll have $2.6 billion uh, in funding over the next four years. And just if you hear us say CIC, that's exactly what that means. So thanks for that. And just uh, uh, what is a crown corporation, first of all? Okay, and I, I felt... 
you know, I feel silly discussing this because I think Canadians have heard the term crown corporation, but I don't know yeah. how many people have actually thought what it is or what's unique about it. Cause you don't really hear this outside of Commonwealth countries. A crown corporation is a wholly owned federal provincial organization that is structured like a private or independent company. Uh, that, basically the idea behind these is that the crown corporations fill a gap in the economy that a private company should fill, but is not filling um, while at the same time giving the entity the chance to act without mm -hmm. direct government influence on, the act on its action. So this is basically, you know, you talk about the free market and how it should work well. This is basically saying, hey, the free market's not working well. And so we need to address something that we think is beneficial for the economy or for the government or for the public and they create a corporation that's funded by the government but it's supposed to act like a private company um but it's, and it's also independent from the government to a certain extent not wholly independent but right. more or less independent right so it's like obviously we know sort of high level what it is but also yeah, yeah why, why did it matter why is it important it makes sense and speaking just about the cic like what is the purpose of it specifically so i don't know if you ever listened to jason or me talk about why he found tech teal but one of this comes out of research we did many years ago mm -hmm. and it showed that canada is lagging other developed countries with productivity gains so the cic is actually created to solve this um what they're doing is they're supposed to help canadian companies close the gap in investing in research and development which hypothetically should lead to productivity gains. And it's going to do this by helping business commercialize their research and protect their intellectual property. And it might be hard for you to answer this question, but just going to throw it out there. How, how will it do this? Well, I, I think um, one is like, look, it's part of that budget's the IRAP money. So it's going to continue IRAP, I assume, which is a program that's already going on there. But it, otherwise, it's not clear as of yet because the CIC is not up and running. Uh the goal is to have an entity running later this year, and it will draw inspiration from similar programs across the, uh, the world. Um, what's interesting is the CIC is explicitly not focused only on high technology, but will have programs to help commodity business and manufacturers innovate, and it'll be able to provide fundings on a project base from 500000 to $5 million per project. And that's a big budget. So why does it have such a large budget if it's a new crown corporation well there's a big problem like again a lot of this money comes from irap mm -hmm. um which was the, is an industrial research assistant program so big chunk of the big chunk of the budget's just that being moved over to this this uh, crown corporation right and what are the takeaways for our community from this news okay so maybe this will be more editorial than takeaway yeah. um if you're a startup hoping that this program impacts you in the near term you're most likely out of luck as we still need to see legislation passed that needs to be created. And the government's hoping that takes is done by this year, but it'll probably take longer knowing the government. Once it's created, it will take more time to create the programs that has to provide that can provide capital. So it has to actually figure out how it's going to do it. So this is looks like it's might maybe it starts deploying capital this year. I don't think so. Um, in addition, it looks like funding will be project-based, which means you have to jump through hoops and then make applications and qualifications. And to work against whatever CIC's priorities for funding is, there's not really a great way for agile, fast-moving startups to work. Lots of startups do get IRAP. I would argue it's not great. Um, you know, so will this help the ecosystem? Uh, this could help the ecosystem by running, uh, resulting in more innovation and investment in research at the corporation level. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, this program, I don't think, is really structured to achieve its goals in the way that, you know it, you know it's. 
I, I hate project-based applications. Um, I think you're better off with the regulations that say, here's what you have to do to qualify. You know, Shred to a certain extent does that. Um, I think this is just going to give more money to large Canadian companies and doesn't okay. deal with the underlying structural issues. We have an economy that is has too many oligopolies and those oligopolies are protected by poor regulations. So if you make, <laughs> you want to get more productivity, open up to more uh, competition now. So I don't know if that's a takeaway or what that is, but mm -hmm. you know, that's my opinion here. That's your opinion, which is exactly what we're doing here. We're just sharing our, our opinion and perspective on, on the news and what's happening essentially. So, okay. Um, I like it. Thank you. Uh, Lastly, a uh, couple more things we want to cover on the show. Uh, Cookin, uh, they've raised uh, 17 million US to deliver different food to your door. So a bit of a different way of, of doing things. So before we get into that, and I get your opinion on just from an investor perspective, what is Cookin? For, first of all, it's, it might be self-explanatory, but uh, some might not know what it is. So it's a new Toronto-based food delivery app. Uh it's how is it different from the other players in the market? It's allowing its chefs or cooks to work from home and it's delivering home cooked meals through its app. So instead of getting something from Momofuku, you might get something from Momofuku chef that's working right. from home. Interesting concept. I think it's, I think it's very cool. So as an investor in your perspective, what makes this really compelling? So it's the usual combination of team market and disruption of the market Mm -hmm. So let's start with team or founders. Uh, Cooking was founded by Morley Ivers and Michael Bosch, who have known each other since high school and previously worked together at points.com. Morley also has co-founded the company, which was acquired and was CEO of Fan Exchange, which was acquired by Vivid Seats when he was running the company. So from the team perspective, you got a team that the founders know each other for a while or a long time, which is what companies like, which VCs like. The, one, of the, one of the founders has shown they you can execute by getting two companies and exit. Uh, the market size, on, look, the online food delivery market is massive and growing. Yep. The market's estimated 430 billion USD, and I think it's growing at 13% per month. Mm -hmm. um, this, and then they're disrupting. The cooking is trying to enter the market in, in you know, basically in a legal gray zone and by enabling chefs to work from home. The idea here is enable chefs to have lower overhead because they're cooking out of the house. Yep. Um, they keep a lot, so lets them keep a larger percentage of the amount charged or the GMV and cooking can be cost competitive because they can, you know, they can charge less for a meal because there's less overhead. So it's a win, win, win. So you've got huge market. And if these, if this works and they disrupt the market, they don't have to capture a large percent of the market to, to get market share. And as we've said before, they are entering into the market at a very good time, as you said, market size, and they are disrupting it by doing something that's different and new that we haven't seen before. Uh, who, it, just speaking of the an investor conversation, who's backing Cookin and what they're doing? So uh, the round was led by Relay with participation from Mistral Ventures and several angels. Both VCs have past investments in the restaurant industry with Relay having invested in seven shifts and touch bistro and Mr. Having previously invested in ritual. So I think they know the space well, and this probably gives them confidence to make this investment. And did they have traction by the time they raised? Um, were they just picking up? Is that something that still needs to happen? Well, for most, for most companies, it will need to happen. What's yeah. not clear to me here is when this round was closed and when it was announced. So it was just announced, I think last week, my guess it was raised much earlier than that than when it was announced. The traction they shared 
uh, with announcement is impressive. Uh, 6,000 meals delivered from 62 chefs. 36% of people have reordered. They have a wait list of 1,800 chefs. Um, yeah. So, and they've onboarded 80. So it's some traction, um, you know, probably not as much as you'd expect from a company that's raised as much. Right. So uh, we talked about obviously why it would be compelling to an investor, but on the flip side, why is it risky and why would there be a huge risk with this investment? So this is operating in a gray area. Um, there's a lot of regulations about what you can prepare and sell from your house in the food mm -hmm. space. And, you know, technically I think that, you know, the chefs that are cooking from home have to buy by those rules. And it's probably a lot of other areas that aren't covered are not allowed by the law. So technically there might be breaking the law. Uh, okay. You know, I think this is, you know, sort of the reminds you of early or mid 2010s, Airbnb and Uber, you know, didn't wait for regulation to just keep on expanding. And it's quite possible this works right now, but it's also mm -hmm. more possible that, you know, you have a health issue or restaurants feel threatened. They can create a public backlash. They'll make it hard to get regulation approved and they will get shut down. Um, you know, I think the cities are much more quick to act on this than they were seven or eight years ago. Another right. challenge is it's not clear the economics for the chef, right? Because um, it's nice as a side hustle, but if you start doing a lot of meals, do you just have to open a restaurant and then are you eligible to be on cooking? So that's a question that I don't have an answer to. Right. And obviously as a disruptor, we know this, it's something that's never really been tapped into before. So there's going to be risks and backlash and, and hoops or hurdles you'll have to jump through and over to get things across the finish line. So uh, an, an interesting call out for sure. Lastly, what are the specific takeaways um, just high level from this news? Look, large early stage rounds are still getting done in this market. Mm -hmm. If you're tackling a huge, huge problem or a huge market, you have founders who can execute or proven it can execute. Um, but, you know, the, the problem is the founder listening to this should not take this round and valuation as a benchmark for what they can raise in this market. There will be more announcements like this in the next year, but those will be the few that are lucky to have backing already because of what they've done. And, you know, so just you can get, a, if, you, if you're dealing with a huge market, you can prove you can execute, you might still raise, but not this valuation. Right. Um, I, I'm interested to see how stakeholders react to the companies trying to disrupt mm -hmm. re regulation. Like I said, the cities are much quicker to act than they were a decade ago. We saw this recently in Toronto with the banning of of robots on the streets of yep. Toronto, and you know, and opposed to waiting to let them overrun Toronto. Um, finally, there's always room to disrupt the disruptors. Yep. Yeah. Always room to disrupt the disruptors. I like it. Uh, before we wrap things up, uh, lightning round. Uh, so uh, I mentioned the raise earlier um, from Plum. So what's the news there? And why would it be interesting specifically for anyone watching or listening? So as reported by Betakit, Waterloo-based Plum raised $6 million USD led by Pearson Ventures with participation from others. Um, I find this interesting for a few reasons. You know, you're hearing about the layoffs in tech, you know, so everyone thinks, okay, HR tech got, has naturally to slow down. But mm -hmm. if you take a look at the macro economy, it's still a very tight labor market. And what Plum does is help corporations find the best people for the best, for the roles that's best suited to them. So, you know, 
they, they what they've done is they've targeted large enterprises that have big problems. So they must be, you know, probably still growing and they were able to raise money for HR tech, which most people would probably in the tech think is not opportunistic now. The other thing that I found very interesting is the three VCs that sort of led and participated in this round are all ed tech investors. And when I look at Plum, I didn't think of it as an ed tech, but I could see how if you're an ed tech, the future of work, you know, how do you redeploy people? How do you get the new skills? May qualify and fit in that bucket. And these companies, these funds uh, took a leap of faith and invested in Plum. Right. It's an interesting call out too, because I would assume it was ed tech as well, just given what they did. But um, yeah, very good. So uh, before I let you go, just quickly to like tie a bow on everything, we have uh, lots of events upcoming, uh, especially in the, in the month of March. We have an International Women's Day event coming up on March 6th at 111. And we also have a TechTO special, um, Web3 edition. Um, so entirely focused on Web3 and everything happening in that space. And that is March 22nd. I will also include, um, of course, in the newsletter, you can read about all of that and what's happening. Um, we also have profiles uh, coming up as well to promote the speakers and who's taking the stage. But everything will be linked in the show notes. And you can find all that information on our website. Uh, any any final thoughts, Alex, before we wrap things up? Uh, none, none for now. I think we've covered quite a bit. We did. You know, I, I think the news is slower, but there's still interesting stuff going on. It's interesting the government try to tackle mm -hmm. some of the innovation problems. Uh, it's interesting to see Founder Fuel back. And yep. I think 2023 will have more upside than people think. I think that's a great final thought. Awesome. Thanks, Alex. Uh, if you like today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening. Uh, we will be back in two weeks time with a brand new episode of TechTO Quick Takes. And until then, we'll see you on the inside. We're in the business of delivering impossible things. We're in the business of delivering things that nobody's ever seen before. If you build that culture, you'll come up with you know really cool and innovative stuff and you know, literally could be in the next multi-billion dollar idea. So this conversation is largely going to be about scaling yourself and scaling your leadership team. I want to talk about one of the biggest struggles that I think a lot of startups face early on, which is building initial traction.